Thanks for tuning into this podcast from KYMN Radio. Consider subscribing to get notifications the next time we post a podcast. And if you enjoy this, please leave us a review on Apple Podcast and share with a friend or on social media. Jessica Paxton with you, host of All Wheel Drive weekdays, 3 until 7 p.m. here on 95 The One. Joining us now in our studios is Superintendent of Schools, uh, Dr. Matt Hillman. Matt, thank you so much for coming in today. Good morning, Jeff. Always a pleasure. Great to see you this morning. Right, nice day, but uh, boy, were you surprised how cold it was when you walked out the door? This is the, this is uh, May in Minnesota, right? Yeah, I guess so. That's the way it goes. But uh, only a few weeks left of the uh, school season. What do we have, about three or four about, weeks about left? About a month left, yeah. I mean, left. Our last day with students is on June 10th. June 10th. So just okay. about a month, yeah. Is that a little bit later than normal? Do we lose it some is, with It COVID? is a little bit later. I mean, we, we typically will go into that uh, at least the first week in June, if not sometimes into early the second week. But, you know, there are years like this one mm-hmm. where the winter holidays fall uh, as such, where we had a little bit long- longer of a winter break this year. And whenever you have any kind of longer break during the school year, that'll push that last day of school back a bit. All right. Uh, let's let's talk about uh, let's talk about that. The graduation now. First of all, I want to talk about that. We talked last time you were in about uh, diplomas uh, being available for uh, those twenty one and older to earn. Uh, is that, uh, give us the latest on that. Yeah, so what we talked about the last time, Jeff, is really a um, agreement between our area learning center and our adult basic education program. So state law allows students to access K-12 programming until they're age 21. So it's not as if we have, you know, 20-year-olds at Northfield High School that if you're above 18, typically, not always, but typically you're served through our area learning center. But those K-12 services uh, cease when you uh, turn 21. Now, the adult basic education program that I think most people, you know, think of as that's the uh, program that you use to get your GED, a great program, ABE does an excellent job. But from time to time, you know, we'll have students who are really close to getting that high school diploma. Um, and then they turn 21. It's you know for a variety of reasons. We all know that uh, there are ups and downs in life, and there are times where the traditional time frame when a student uh, would graduate, they may have some other things going on in their life, some trauma. They may have some other kinds of issues that prevented them from completing it in what we'd consider to be the traditional fashion. But if you turn 21 and you're just a few credits away from graduation and you no longer can go uh, and get your high school diploma, your only route is a GED, that can be really daunting for some people because the GED is a a really great degree, but it's also a a very different pathway. And so the idea is if we have uh, someone who's close enough, but we're no longer allowed to serve them in the K-12 environment, we're going to make a handoff to adult basic education. The Area Learning Center is going to provide all of the materials to the adult basic education teachers for them to be able to help that student complete those last few credits. Now, if you're, say, six credits away, that probably is too much. But what our Area Learning Center Director, Daryl Keller, tells me is that, you know, someone within about four credits or so, that's close enough to where, with some support from adult basic education, they can complete that traditional high school diploma. And we know how important that is, you know, for a lot of folks. So, what we worry about is if someone turns 21, they're just a few credits away, and then their only option is to go with the GED, which would just take a longer time frame. You know, we're concerned that that person may not complete any kind of degree. And so I, I know some people might think, well, they're 21, still trying to get their high school diploma. 
I, I just invite you to, to, everybody knows someone who's had a real difficult time as a teenager. And when people turn it around, we want to support them to be able to have them complete their education. And this is just now another tool that we have to help people be successful. So I'm really proud of uh, Daryl Keller and the ABE team uh, that we share with Lakeville and Farmington. It's just a great program, and we're really excited about this opportunity to be able to help those folks who are trying to finish the de- that degree, you know, but would have had to go an alternate route if we didn't have this option. Let's move on to a, a similar topic. Uh, recently, uh, Governor uh, uh, Walls has uh, kind of rolled back some of the restrictions that we have been operating under uh, over the course of, well, however long we've been operating on the current Nine ones. weeks or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Uh, how has that, does, has that had much of an effect on, on school? Will it have any effect on graduation? Uh, talk about, the, about how that is uh, being implemented and what you're doing at the school. Yeah, so Governor Walls, as we all know, did some uh, rollback or a, a planned rollback, I should say, of some of the COVID-19 restrictions over the next couple of months. And, you know, we did have some immediate impact that maybe wasn't as big as it might be in some other areas. And then we have some other longer term potential impact. The first impact, which is very clear and has already been implemented, is that, uh, of course, the outdoor, the mask mandate and how it governed outdoor masking, uh, that expired on Friday, May 7th. And in our schools, really where that impacted us was for spectators at athletic events. So uh, spectators were expected to wear masks uh, at Minnesota State High School uh, League athletic events. That uh, ceased on Friday. And so that part, of course, and then all student athletes with their masking, that part is has now moved on. We don't need to mask outside anymore. There is one exception, and that is where uh, you have a, what we call a, they call a controlled entry event with 500 or more people. Well, you know, we do have a controlled entry event with more than 500 people. It's called commencement, right? Mm-hmm. And so the next part is there's, a, there's another series of uh, rollbacks that are happening on May 28th. And we are currently reviewing them of how they would impact our graduation. As you know, we have been planning to have a single outdoor graduation ceremony uh, on June 6th as planned. Uh, to begin with, based upon the public health protocols, we were looking to limit attendance. What we're doing is right now reviewing that new guidance and making sure that we understand uh, would that allow us to expand attendance or not. We're still looking at that. What I'll tell you is that um, we have learned a lot over the last year about state announcements. And so we have learned that there are announcements. And then for us in public education, over the next the period of the week after those announcements, sometimes there's some alterations. And so we're just making sure that we understand this new event guidance and how it impacts us as a school. Uh, we anticipate be able to make some decisions on that this week. So that's the second part of it. Uh, and then I think the third part is that it's important for families to understand that a part of the governor's announcement was that the safe learning plan, which governs how we run the school day. So basically anything inside of the school, right? You go outside. We, we, we actually, it was a recommendation for students to wear masks outside at recess. Our students mostly have not worn masks at recess. It was outdoors. That was the guidance. That was part of the safe learning plan. But the safe learning plan is still in effect through the last day of the school year. So all of the protocols inside the school day that we've had, uh, transportation, you know, all those other kinds of things, anything associated with the school day, those continue through the end of the year. And if they cover any extracurricular activities, those pieces are all in place. So, uh, you know, things like all of the safety protocols that we have been doing all year, um, and as we've updated them as the state has updated their guidance, those are still in effect through the last day of the school year. 
we are looking now at how the new uh, requirements or recommendations and requirements affect our summer programming. There's a little bit of conflict there. Thankfully, we have some time uh, to be able to figure that out. And then we are hearing from the Department of Ed. They just aren't sure what kind of guidance we'll have for next school year. It's quite a bit away. And if you think about this, this global health pandemic and you think about how quickly conditions can change both for the worse and for the better, I think I know that people always would like to know exactly what the plans are for the next school year before we leave. This is a year like last year, or unfortunately, I think there's going to be a little bit of ambiguity, um, but we'll communicate with our families and we'll make sure that they know what the expectations are as far and as advanced as we know them. You know, the governor has also opened up uh, the vaccines to everyone who is 16 and older. Um, I know the school is not responsible for the vaccination and the uh, employees and staff have uh, been uh, have all been vaccinated or the ones who choose to. Uh, What about students? Anecdotally, have you heard much about that? Are they getting vaccinated? Is there uh, uh, much excitement, I guess, in the school about that? So I I think a couple of pieces about vaccination. Again, vaccination is a personal choice. We respect that. We respect that every individual has to make the decision that is right for them. And at the same time, what we know from public health is that vaccination is the single best tool that we have to finally knock out COVID-19. And so um, what I encourage you to do is to take a look at the uh, Northfield Hospital and Clinic's website. If you've not gotten your vaccination yet, they have opportunities. Many pharmacies in town do as well. When it comes to our 16 and 17 year olds, I, I will tell you that again, vaccination is a personal choice and it's a medical decision. So we don't necessarily get to mm-hmm. know on this particular vaccine. What I can tell you is I looked at the Rice County uh, public data last week and through, I, I, I can't, it might be like through last Wednesday or Thursday or something like that, there were approximately 600 Rice County students who are under 18. Now that could be Faribault, could be Northfield, who had received the vaccine. Right, you know, our sick, we have about 700 uh, 16 and 17 year olds in Northfield Public Schools. And so um, if we think about countywide, we know that there's uh, some, you know, we know 16 and 17 year olds have taken it. We know that there are probably even more that have gotten it just in the last week. I've had a lot of anecdotal feedback from families about going to get their vaccine. And then, uh, as you may know, uh, yesterday the FDA opened up to 12 to 15 year olds. Mm-hmm. And so we understand that uh, actually listening to KYMN on the way mm-hmm. and I learned that uh, Minnesota will most likely authorize that uh, as early as late this week. So it's very possible 12 to 15 year olds could start getting the Pfizer vaccine uh, as early as Thursday or Friday. So for parents of uh, students age 12 to 15, if you are interested in the vaccine, I encourage you to take a look at you know both Northfield Hospital and Clinic's website and then of course any other place that uh, has the Pfizer vaccine we look at our role as convener, Jeff. So we simply want to help our students and their families come together with a vaccination opportunity should that be their choice. Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Matt Hillman, is with us. Uh, let's talk about the mascot. Yes. We have been talking about that for about a year or so now, but it's getting to the stage where it's getting much more refined. And uh, what, uh, what happened last night? I know it was discussed at the, uh, the school board meeting. Yeah, so I'm just going to give you a very brief uh, trip down history lane Mm -hmm. so a year ago in march uh, just before the pandemic hit in 2020 march of 2020 the northfield high school student council representative nikki hosterman came to the board and asked that they consider refreshing the mascot and so the board heard that at that point they had uh, started to instruct administration to create a process that would look at doing that then the pandemic hit we put it on hold this past fall we brought the discussion back 
The board directed the high school administration to create a process that would produce uh, three potential mascot options for them by March. We were a little bit late with that, but we understand uh, why. We're in a global health pandemic. So we did open in December for people to submit ideas. We had 20 submissions. I think I had said 21 the last time. There were actually 20 submissions. They were a mix of original art and people submitting trademarked uh, logos that they say you should look at something like this. Uh, high school principal and athletic director Joel Olson formed a committee, and I shared with you the committee members, I believe, the last time that we were here, and they filtered that down to uh, three options that came to the board. Last time at the board meeting, and, and the committee had a preferred option. Last time, uh, the board considered and really kind of started to coalesce around the first option, which is uh, an image of a person in Western garb, uh, face f forward facing, no horse or anything like that. It's the, really intended. What the board had directed was, if we we're going to be honoring the defeat of Jesse James, we should try to make it as much about the townspeople as we possibly can. Now, it's a fairly tall order, right? So uh, KY Men will have the mascot options now on your website here later today, and the board really coalesced around this this preferred option from the committee, which is a forward facing person wearing kind of a western garb. It is intended to be gender neutral and race neutral. Now, it is a piece of art, so some people do interpret that differently. We went back to our partners, Nuger Communications, uh, with that preferred option and asked them to make some additional iterations of it. So in the new iterations, you'll see that the neckerchief, which is below the chin, that's really the piece to intend that it is not about the raiders themselves, but about uh, the townspeople. It's below the chin. Uh, and then you'll also notice that it's a little bit smaller than the original draft. You'll also notice that the new that the hats have a little bit of a different color splash, and that has to do with the intent is showing sun coming down on top of a hat and creating a shadow so that the figure under the hat is fairly ambiguous, again, to protect that identity of race and gender neutrality. Again, tying in to try to do the best that we can to celebrate uh, the townspeople who rose up in uh, the 1870s against the James Younger Gang. So uh, we, again, the board saw it for the first time last time. They kind of coalesced around this one option. We brought them several uh, other iterations of that similar option, and then we're going to ask them to vote at the next meeting, Jeff. All right. Looking at the options, that's the one I was kind of hoping. That's, yep. I think, consensus was uh, you know, the, that uh, that first option. And the three uh, don't really look too different at first glance, but there are some subtle differences. So I haven't had a chance to kind of right. take a and look I at that yet, but left, I, I like the idea. Yeah, and as you move left to right, what you'll see is there's, a, there's intended to have a little bit more definition of the mm -hmm. face. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So anyway, those will be available. We'll put those on our website uh, if you'd like to take a look at that and our Facebook page as well. Uh, one more thing I want to ask you about, and that is, I will, don't want to ask you about, just talk about. Sure. Uh, you have an administrative assistant that was recently uh, honored by her peers. Yes. Tell us. And, uh, so we're very pleased to announce that uh, Anita Ozzie, who is the executive uh, administrative assistant to myself and to the Board of Education, was, is going to be honored on behalf of her professional organization, the Minnesota Superintendent's Office Personnel Association, as their 2021 Administrative Assistant of the Year. And so uh, Anita has worked in our office since 2018. She came to us from St. Olaf College, adapted to the job so quickly, and is just the epitome of professionalism. And when we made the application uh, to have her honored for this award, 
we went back and looked at all the work that she has done just to manage the hectic uh, day-to-day schedule of the superintendent's office. This week, two people have told me, Matt, your schedule looks like a Tetris puzzle. And Anita is really responsible for making sure that we, we make the best use of the day. She was also instrumental in the project oversight committee that really oversaw all of the different construction projects and the communication uh, about that committee and about those projects. And then when COVID hit, uh, Anita took a central role in helping us make sure that we were serving families. So she was instrumental in helping us design and implement our uh, pilot testing program that we did in partnership last December with the Minnesota Department of Health. When staff vaccination came around, Anita took the lead on helping coordinate getting our staff to the various appointments that we had offered to them. And so she was really that matchmaker of getting people from who wanted a vaccine to whichever vaccine location that we were able to get them to, uh, along with all sorts of other staff uh, COVID testing, now student COVID testing as they'd like. And Anita is just, she's, she is so pivotal to the work that the district does. And we're so happy to see her honored by her peers. It's a, it's a wow. very um, prestigious statewide honor. I would think so. That uh, All those things that you've mentioned, you, you, that's an administrative assistant is do, doing all that? Wow. Well, Man, that is I mean, that's above and beyond. She seems. really is a chief of staff. Yeah. You know, she really acts in that yeah. way and is a, just a, an ideal partner for the work that we do and so responsive and helpful to the board. And yeah. so on behalf of the board, we can congratulate Anita and... We're so grateful that she has chosen to share her tremendous skill with Northfield Public Schools. Great job, Anita. Congratulations. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for coming in. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, We will talk to you once again, I guess, in a couple of weeks, and we'll be that much closer to the end of the school year and graduation and all that. So we'll talk to you then. Appreciate it, Jeff. (laughs) Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Matt Hillman. You're listening to 95.1 FM and AM 1080, KYMN, Northfield, Minnesota. We've got uh, Rich coming back in in just a couple of minutes or just one minute with a look at local news headlines. Here's the latest from around the state with MNN.